As I said at the beginning of the service, uh, this is an unusual service. It's an installation service. We are going to install uh, an assistant pastor in our church, uh, Reverend Mark Wellman. Um, and from here on, it's going to get uh, a little more Presbyterian. There are a lot of things that have to happen. Formal vows have to be made. It's going to be a Presbyterian Lollapalooza. But first, we're going to have a sermon. And I'd like to invite Renato. His wife, Claudia, is here also. Renato is going to preach. And the reason is, um, Renato has been a great friend to Mark Wellman. And when I was at seminary, uh, 23 years ago, um, Renato and his wife planted a church in Newark, uh, a Brazilian center church that has grown to how many? Several services, hundreds of people, and has become an anchor to the churches in, in New Jersey. Um, Renato is a church planner. He encouraged me to be a church planter, which is why this is a church plant in Hoboken. And he is encouraging Mark Wellman to be a church planter in Jersey City. So he's like our grandfather, our mentor. Uh, he's the reason we're, we're here. And so I asked him to basically bring the gospel to us as a way of encouraging Mark and of encouraging us as the Christian church. And so, Renato, thank, thank you, Claudia. Oh, yes. And Kitty is going to read the scripture on which Renato's sermon is based. The scripture is from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 25. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the, of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is God's word. It is a privilege to be here. Well, thank you, Pastor Tony, Hoboken Church, and uh, everyone responsible for us being here this morning. Uh, back to our church in Newark, we call it, we are called CCP, a Christian Community Presbyterian Church. And uh, we have services in Spanish, in Portuguese, in English, one after the other. We start like at 9, and we finish around 1.32 o'clock in the afternoon, successfully. If you know all three languages, you could stay all three services. Most people don't. <laughs> but in any case, but uh, it is a privilege. But also, as far as CCP, I would like for you to talk about church planting. CCP began as a uh, vision that God gave to Dr. Iverson. I, he is here with us. Where are you? Right there. Dr. Iverson, this young man, because one day he had a dream and no resources, and uh, he went uh, through God's guidance and looking for, and he brought someone from Brazil, a pastor and his family from Brazil, and CCP was born many years later through all this effort. But the first few years, he had them in his home. It says, whatever I eat, you will eat. Our shelter will be your shelter, and so on. That man of faith, now we have CCP. Praise God for your life, Dr. Iverson. Yes, we could clap. And Mark and I have known each other over 15 years or so, right? And uh, But the last couple of years has been like very special. Uh, Presbyterian had asked me, could I walk alongside him for this last year and a half or so? We already did, right? It was just becoming formal. It's, it's been a privilege. And uh, Mark is one of those people, just like you and I, throughout our lives, many different reasons, circumstances, we stumble. And uh, many times so the stumble happens because of us, choices, decisions, things that we don't pray enough or think long enough or just jump into them. Other times because of other people. It doesn't matter. Some of you might be going through those instances when we say we blew it. 
God has given us a purpose. He's given us a mission, ministry, whatever you call it. We know that God has called us specifically to a place, to a time, for a season, and for a, a specific minute. We all know that. We, we can only be fulfilled and realized when we are doing that. And when this somebody comes, a big question appears. What now? Would I ever be trusted again? Would I be going back? Would God give me another chance? It doesn't matter the circumstances. So it is in this context that I would like to just pull a few principles, things that I see in this encounter of Jesus with the disciples, but specifically with Peter. And if you know Peter through the Gospels, you, you pretty much have an idea where I'm going with this. Because what I see here is how Jesus deals with people who stumble. People who, when the time comes, they don't come through. And the question is, how does he do it? And I tell you, there are many, many, many things. I mean, uh, I cannot even number the things that I hear and I see and I know experience from our Lord Jesus Christ that drives me. But perhaps this is one of the most, the deepest, the ones that really drive me, the understanding that my Lord, your Lord, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He's always, always ready and willing to come and grab us and put us back in place. And says, listen, let's start over. Let's get it going with us. So that's the gospel story. Story of grace. What do I see here? Obviously, this text is very well known. There are tons and I'm not exaggerating, of messages, great messages about this text. And I've heard many, been influenced by many of these uh, messages on this chapter. But one of the things that jumps from this page to me is that this is not a parable. Remember Jesus uses parables to teach the disciples and the multitude so many times. This is not one of them. This is a true story. You can hear like a hundred yards. How do they know? Because it was real. Uh, 103 uh, big fish. Somebody counted them. Seven disciples named each and every one of them, right? It was, it was a real event. A real happening. Placed here so you and I can know how our God, Jesus Christ, looks at us when we are going through those struggles of stumbling. What do we find? Just to keep it Presbyterian, as Pastor was saying, right? We're going to have like three points here on this, on this consideration. The first one is this. Know this. <laughs> when these hard times we are facing them, Jesus will come and find us. On verse 3, if you have your Bible there open, on verse 3 of chapter 21, we, 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 it's back here. Okay. We see that Peter tells the disciples, I'm going out to fish. For a while, I would look at this succession of events because remember, it's after the resurrection. It's after the time when Mary Magdalene and the others uh, came back and told Peter, Peter, Jesus appeared to Mary and then he tells, go tell everyone, but he specifically mentions one person. Who does he mention? Peter. Why? Because Peter had denied him. Even when Jesus had told them, listen, you're going to deny me before, before this morning you're going to deny me, uh, 
But he says, no, Lord, I will never. Everybody else, they might, not me. I'll die for you. And Jesus mentions one name after the resurrection, telling him, tell Peter that I'm alive. Go back a little further before the crucifixion. We are told that when Peter denied for the third time, Jesus in his eyes, they crossed. They, they were able to see. Jesus turned to him. He sees Jesus and he cries bitterly. What am I saying? There was already a time of forgiveness extended. There was already a signal from Jesus that things were okay, good between the two of them. There was this understanding. However, Peter, I believe, thought like this. Jesus has forgiven me. But because of my actions, because of the missteps, because of the stumbles, he will never again trust me. Do you see the difference? Many of us feel like that. In counseling, we see that many times. People say, okay, I'll forgive so-and-so, but our relationship will never be the same. Trusting? Forget it. What we see here is beyond just forgiveness. He's approaching him. That's how this conversation, Peter, by going out fishing, at first I thought, he is irresponsible. How can you go back fishing when you've been called to such a great purpose and such a great mission? Because he probably thought, I'm done, forgiven. I'll, I'll be a good fisherman. <laughs> Nothing wrong against fishermen. I'll be a good whatever, but never again be trusted this highly in the ministry. Are you with me? And he goes back fishing. And what do we see here? What do we, what do we find? Jesus goes and finds them. If you remember the text, early in the morning, he goes seeking for him. I'm sure there was a lot of things that Jesus needed to do during those 40 days, but here he is looking for the one who thinks he's done with ministry. And he goes, and we have this miraculous fishing, right? That all night they are fishing, they, caught, they catch nothing. Recently in the month of August, my, our son-in-law and our grandson and, my, and I, we... we uh, we got this one boat in California, and uh, we got this one boat, and a uh, very high-priced person, like mentor, like able to teach us all things. He said, I know the places you guys are going to catch a ton of things, and we spent all day, all day. And it was colder in California than in Jersey during those days. <laughs> and in, in any case, when we, we spent the whole day, caught nothing. So I, I, I can relate to this catching nothing all day. We got really good at casting. That we did, but <laughs> caught nothing. So I can relate to this. But the point is, nothing. Expert, fisherman, nothing happens. Why? Because Jesus had a plan. What was he doing? He was recreating another instance. Do you remember what the instance was? Luke chapter 5. When Peter was first called and the disciples, another miraculous fishing took place. And they all night, they're tired, and Jesus says, throw your nets, and they do. And that's when this miracle happened, and that's when Jesus called. And that's the, the, the exchange between Jesus and Peter, because Peter, at the first in Luke 5, he falls on his feet says, man. I am not even worthy of standing in your presence. And Jesus tells him, I will make, follow me, and I'll make you fisher, fisher, fishermen, uh, fishers of men, him and the other disciples. So that's the call. And Jesus is recreating for him, for you, 
for us, for Mark, for me, for all of us, saying, listen, if need it be, we're going to travel here. Let's go back and recreate it. The call still stands. And please notice the sequence. In a moment, Jesus is going to deal with the heart, the cause of the denial, Peter's denial of Jesus. But here, first, he reinstates him. It's not a miracle and then the reinstallation of the being reinstated. No. He's, first he says, let me, so you know it's by grace. So you know it's the gospel. So let me put you back on. We'll deal with the causes and the reasons later. Sometimes we want to do this. Okay, stand by. We'll treat you. Uh, you need to prove to us that you are you're being transformed. Then we'll trust you. That's not how the gospel goes. Not irresponsible, but sees the heart. And believes in the power. And that's what happens to him. There's more. And I don't want to spend here all morning. But I like if I, on the text you see. In the first miracle. Jesus was in the boat. With Peter and the other disciples. Here Jesus is on the shore. And without stretching too long. What I see is this. That Jesus is saying. I already been through with you. Like showing you what to do. I saved you. I called you. I've been there. Now you are out there. I am sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Go and do it. And I have some great news for you because you will no longer have the ministry restored, but you will prosper. You can say amen here, right? <laughs> it will prosper. The large fish, the abundance it means it's going to be well. You're going to do well, Mark. Not because you're brilliant, but because of God's grace. <laughs> We're going to do well. There's a new beginning. There's a new opportunity. And he's there with us. He will never leave us. So he drives us. We can stand and say, listen, I've been restored. It is by God's grace. Not, nothing I have done. But quickly moving to the next one. Or even one more. The reaction of Peter. Impulsive as always, right? But here, when he hears, it is the Lord, he jumps. And I love this jumping to go find him. Why? Because at first, on the first calling, it says, who am I? I'm unholy. But now he realized God's grace has been extended to me. I need not agonize about saying, am I good enough, worthy enough? He's done it all so I can run to him and jump in both feet, all of mine, all in, and trust that he has the best for me in mind. Say amen to that. The second point that we see. Restoration, ring statement first. But we need to deal with the heart. God does not call us for a denial. Just to okay, bury the past or just like forget. No. We need to look. What, what caused us? All of us. Remember, grace first. Reinstate it first. You're in. So now let's deal with it. And then we have deal, Jesus dealing with this root or root of the stumbling. What caused Peter to deny Jesus? We could speculate, but probably because he loved his safety, his life, more than he loved Jesus. Wouldn't you agree with me? He meant when he says, I will never deny you. I'll die for you. But when the time came, he saw the suffering, he saw the bleeding, and then the crucifixion. He probably 
like says, no, 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 I cannot take that. My life, my safety is, I love him more. So if love is a root of the cause of, of, of the stumbling, let's go back and examine it. And here we have this conversation between Jesus. It looks, I can see in the text that they're going to walk away from the other disciples a little. Perhaps along the shore. They're walking side by side. That's a private conversation. Again, the past is recreated. He asks him, do you love me? Three times. Three times he denied him. There was fire there, just like there and during the, the denials, there was fire as well. So all these things, just to bring it back, let's go over it again. Then the three times he asked, do you love me? And then again, gives some instructions about what the ministry will be about in the future. There's more training now going on. You might know this already. Like I said, there are many, many, many good sermons about this. But when Jesus called, asks for the third time, Peter is hurt. It might seem to us that he's hurt because three times you're asking me if I love you? I already answered you twice. Do I need a third time? It could be that, but there's more. In the Greek, in the original, in pastors here can back me up on that, there, there's more than one word for love. There's the word, word agape, unconditional. There's the word phileo, friendship, friendly, Philadelphia, for instance, philosophy. The idea that is a love that's, I love you like a, a brother, like a friend. And also we have like the, the arrows, you know. But in this text, we, we see two words being used for love. If you are following with me, like when Jesus asked him for the first time, Simon, verse 15, do you love me? More than these disciples, nets, safety, your life. And Jesus used the word agape. Peter, do you love me unconditionally? It's not to hurt, but to bring to, to light. Not to expose in a sense of embarrassment, but says, so, we, so you know where you stand. And Peter answers him, Yes, Lord, you know that I, and he answers, Phileo, you. You see the difference? I would add, I thought I, I got to you, but I only Phileo, you. I thought I loved you, Lord, unconditionally. But the truth is, I own, I'm only your friend. Second time. Jesus comes back. Verse 16. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Again, Peter answers, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And then the third time, 17. Simon, son of John, do you, and Jesus changes, phileo me? And this hurt is that the heart is cut, exposed, like surgery. You need to open up, remove the misunderstanding, so you can build it. You can bring healing. And Peter answers Jesus, 
he was hurt because surgery hurts. Truth hurts. But brings healing. It's not for destruction. It's to bring us up. Oh Lord, you know all things. You know that I am your friend. Jesus lowers it and he admits it. Now, now, now we can work. Now we got it. It is the broken heart. The one who comes says, Lord, I, I praise you for your grace. I worship you for your grace. And I'm not going to, to reject it. I will jump into it. But Lord, I know. And now the Lord says, now, 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 now we can walk. Now we can work with you. A little bit more. And I won't extend much more. He says, the first time, I said, do you love me? So he says, feed my lambs. I thought for a while the lambs meant like, uh, like goats, right? And sheep and goats. Like those, this is a flock. As a pastor, as you have, if you have, if you have a ministry in the kingdom, you're dealing with people, right? So, I mean, those people in our ministries, okay, I know Hoboken Church doesn't have them, but in those people in our ministry that give us trouble all the time, those, you can't even imagine that because you don't have that here. But anyway, but no, lambs means those new babies, those that are just coming to faith. Feed them. Then it goes to take care of my sheep. Sheep are those who are necessarily not newborn in the faith, but people, you know, the sheep is confused, disoriented. You say, go here, they go there, and then all over, right? Don't do it, they do it. All So be patient. Whatever your ministry, music, children, youth, whatever, even the Super Bowl party, just understand that. We need to have the latitude and the grace to go with it. It says, take care of my sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. And one more thing. Sheep does not express gratitude. So as we go into ministry, Mark, you should know that by now. Tony knows very well. I, all, of, all of you know, should know. Don't go into this expecting something back. Sometimes it happens, but those are bonuses. And Jesus makes one thing very clear. These are not your people. These are not your sheep. These are his sheep. I'm just entrusting you to take care of them. Let's close this. Pastor's already standing here next to me. Right? Says time is up, Pastor Renato. So let's go to the last Presbyterian point. Green statement. <laughs> he comes and deals with the heart, and then he closes by saying, Let me show you what your future will be like. There will be a transformation. And I'll just pick two verses here. Verse 18. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Old age, creeping in, we start getting limited, even though I'm still a young 29-year-old man. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. If you stop right here, you might be thinking, Peter, old age will come and you're going to be limited. But no. What is he saying? He's pointed to the future. I'm going to give you a glimpse. You are being changed more than you can imagine. There will be a time 
when people will come for you. And tradition tells us that they came when people came for Peter because of his stand in faith and total surrender to Jesus. And he was arrested and he was convicted and judged and convicted and he was going to be crucified. And at that time, there was no denial. Because the verse 19 says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would be, would glorify God. No longer a denier. No longer someone who will value his life more than anything else. But value his Jesus. Because what history tells us, when the time came to be crucified, Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my master. And he was crucified upside down. I don't wish crucifixion for you, for none of us. <laughs> but the point is, once we understand his grace, driven by this grace that refuses to give up on me, when I know that he will not only bring me back, but restore my heart, I can look to the future and say, Lord, whatever may come, let my life glorify you. This is Mark's day and the Lord's day and Mark's installation day. But this is our day to be renewed because these truths are ours. These are here that we may have life eternal and life in abundance. Claim it. Whatever you may be in your stages in your journey, embrace it, receive it, and listen and respond to the grace of Jesus Christ that remains the same because this is the gospel. That's the story of the gospel for you and I, eternal. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this grace that knows no end, knows, knows no bounds. Just renew us, Lord. Just refresh us, Father. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.